God, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to worship you this morning, to take a second and um, kind of slow the madness of our lives, the busyness and all the clutter, the stuff that kind of builds up like plaque on our hearts. And we need moments like this where we can just listen for your voice and hear your word and worship you. So we're thankful this morning. We're we're grateful for the space. Um, we just pray that you speak to us right now through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome, 930. It is so good to be with you. It's so good to see all of you here and uh, all of you there in Tremont. Welcome. So pumped to have Tremont, our location in Tremont. Duh. Joining us. It's good to have you guys here. Um, we're excited. And those of you that are joining us online, too, great to have you. Uh, I'm jumping into another message in our people problems because uh, you got people problems. I got people problems. In fact, most of our problems could probably be classified as people problems. And so we've been taking some time um, when, I'm not, when I haven't been on vacation, we've been taking some time to look at uh, our relationships not just your marriage, your significant other, how, what God has to say about all of our relationships, how we're supposed to like find a better way to be in relationships with each other. So we've been talking through a whole bunch of different things, and as always, you can jump online to catch up on the series or see something. If you missed, we talked about uh, the better way, we talked about resentment, we talked about something else I can't remember right now. But you can't judge me, because I preached it, so I'm allowed to forget it. There's only so much room up here. It's limited availability. (laughs) Today, what we're going to talk about is anger. That doesn't sound like a very fun, relational topic. Anger in a relationship series, so negative. But yet, most of us get sick of, at some point... Even the people we love the most. Keep your eyes straight ahead. <laughs> Don't look to the right or to the left. Whoever you're sitting with, just stay locked on me. It's okay. <laughs> you get sick of people you, you live with and love and care deeply about, but there are times in your life where you cannot stand their breathing. <laughs> you're watching TV and you just hear... <sighs> And you're like, do you have to breathe like that? How am I supposed to breathe? Do you just want me to hold it? Yeah, like five minutes. Just hold it five minutes straight. That sounds like a solution. Or they're eating their cereal and all you hear is... And you want to smash a cereal bowl off the wall. I'm not saying you do it, but you think about doing it. That's why we're talking about anger. I mean, I have anger issues sometimes, even with people I care so deeply about, and but, uh, let alone the crazy Little League fans that run, you know, the most they ever ran in the last five years just to yell at me from behind a fence. You know, like, I have trouble with them, but I also have trouble with people I care so deeply about. And so we're stepping into this message with fear and trepidation. 
Because if I'm being really transparent with you, I don't have all this under wraps. Now, my parents knew I needed work in this area at a very young age. (laughs) And so I've been working on my anger issues for a long time, and I hope to share some of what I have learned along the way and what God says about anger and how it affects our relationships with you. But please know that as I do, like, I'm just, I can't hide mine very well either. Like sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I cross the line in my anger and I say stupid things and I do stupid things and I complicate my own relationships and problems when I don't deal with my anger in an appropriate way, in the better way that God has for me. It looks different for each of us. I mean, it might look different from you. There's different kinds of anger and different kinds of angry people, just like each angry bird has a different character, right? Like it's a different kinds of, it looks different. Some of us is more obvious than others, but we all in some way deal with or have to deal with or process anger in our relationships. Maybe you're the passive aggressive type. You know any passive aggressive people? Passive aggressive anger seeps out in subtle ways, maybe a little sarcasm, the silent treatment. It is most expressed on people's faces. (laughs) P.S. If you're the passive aggressive type, (laughs) you guys, you guys are doing a good job of like the men especially are just locked right on me. They're like, I'm not even blinking, dude. I'm not even gonna blink during this message. I don't want anybody to know anything about what's going on in my head right now. Like if you're passive aggressive, we think it's being sneaky, but everybody knows. Then you have the aggressive, aggressive type. I used to get mad with a family member who is passive aggressive. I'd be like, you're passive aggressive. And they're they're like, you're aggressive aggressive. And by the way, neither one is good. But aggressive, aggressive kind of anger comes out like in confrontation. It's outwardly expressed. It's, I'm just venting, they say, or I just need to get it out, or I just need to cut loose. You know, it, it comes out. It's a little more obvious, a little more out there, but it's exhausting. And if you're an aggressive, aggressive person, if you're a passive aggressive person, you're not fooling anybody, especially the people that know you most. They're well aware of all your faces and all of your nuances and all of the kind of side comments. And if you're aggressive, aggressive, you're exa- I exhaust people in my life. It's exhausting. You have people that are more chronic in their anger. They've just been angry. Maybe they don't even know why. As long as they can remember, anger has been an issue and it doesn't seem to be going away. It doesn't seem to be getting better. And sometimes, wrongfully so, because I've been there, I can say this, wrongfully so, we say it's just part of my personality. It's just who I am. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Well, when your emotion is the only emotion that's on your sleeve all the time is anger. You got anger problems, chronic Angry people have to work hard to stay angry. You ever see that? They'll like read some comment in Thunder and Lightning in the Pottsville Republican and get angry about it. Like who cares what somebody from Shenandoah has to say about last week's newspaper? Why are you getting so angry about it? It's because chronic angry people got to work hard at staying angry. And 
for those people, you end up very lonely. Because nobody wants to be around that kind of chronic anger. You have my least favorite kind, and I hate this one in myself when it pops up. I hope it doesn't pop up. I hope nobody's like, oh yeah, I see that in you. I hope it doesn't pop up ever. But the self-righteous kind of anger. Somewhere deep inside of us, I'm better than everybody, and, and, and I'm angry that nobody else can get it right. Nobody else does it like I do it or like I want it done, and that's infuriating to me. It's this self-righteous kind of anger. And then you have anger that's like reactionary or retaliatory anger. What, what the problem with retaliatory anger is you're just trying to push back, but it becomes reactionary. And then you start to look for things to trigger you faster so that you can beat them to the punch. Reactionary anger. All of these different types of anger, they end up hurting you more than the person you're trying to punish. It ends up wearing your soul down more than it wears their soul down. It ends up isolating you from people you need and from voices that you, you may not be willing to admit it, but that voices that you desperately need speaking into your life with another perspective and another point of view, voices that are helping to balance you out. All of these different types of anger, while we think they are dealing out just punishment on the people who have disappointed us, this anger issue, it hurts you. It hurts you emotionally. It hurts you physically. It hurts you spiritually. And it puts you in an isolated place where at some point you will not be able to get help you need. You will not have the loving, kind, caring voices speaking into your life anymore because you will have burned all of those bridges. And let's just be clear. It's not just aggressive-aggressive that burns those bridges. It's all of them. Here, here's three things, I think, that are so important to know before we jump into a passage in Ephesians and then a little bit in the book of Jonah. Three things that I think you need to know, that I need to know, that I need to remember about anger. When I'm angry and I'm feeling angry, it's a secondary emotion. That's number one. And it, it might be the most important thing to remember. There's always something a little more complicated and a little more uncomfortable going on underneath my anger. And I don't know what that is, but I know that it's easier to choose the path of anger than to dig into and be transparent about the real issue. For example, when my kids get hurt, my wife's always like, why are you so angry? The kids are hurt. They need a hug. They don't need you running around the house yelling. It's because I'm scared. Because when my kids get hurt or they're sick, it, I, I fear for them. I fear for them. But instead of just admitting my fear and the uncomfortable emotions and the weakness that I think that expresses and the tears that are bound to come when I admit that what I really am is worried about my kids, anger is just the easier path. What's underneath your anger What's the, what's the kind of the current that runs underneath your angry responses, your angry reactions? It's never going to get any better unless you start to deal with 
the complicated, uncomfortable thing that is lying underneath. Maybe what's underneath is fear. Maybe it's embarrassment. How many moms have snapped in Walmart (laughs) because they were embarrassed by their kids' behavior at a cashier checkout? Come on. You don't got to raise your hand, but across both campuses, my mom, I have a feeling that we embarrassed her and the anger came out quite quickly and often, right? Like that's just, we were good at it. What can I say? Um, Maybe it's fear, uncertainty, type A people. You don't know all the details or all the plan and anger is what comes out on the top. Embarrassment. Concern. Anger is a secondary thing. Here's, here's point number two about anger that I think I need to remember. It's closely tied to my sense of right and wrong, fair and unfair. When I feel like somebody is dealing with me unfairly, I set a course for my anger to right the ship. But really, I, it's an impossible task anyway. Because I can't change your heart, and I can't change your heart, and I can't change your heart. I can't change your behavior. I can't change your behavior. I can't change your behavior. I'm only available, able to change my own heart, my own behavior, my own reactions. It's God's business to deal with you rightly. Not my business to deal with you rightly. But our anger is often closely tied to our sense of right and wrong, fair or unfair. You can see these in kids with a very clear view of what's right and wrong, right? That's so unfair. That was a bad call. Dad let him do that, but not her do that. And the anger is what comes out. It's a secondary thing. The third thing that I think is so important for us to realize is that anger is like a wildfire, And the smoke causes more damage than Canada does. It's like a wildfire. Listen, here's, if, if it is not dealt with, if you are not paying attention to it, it will spread and spread and it'll burn every good thing down in your life. Anger's like a wildfire. You need, you need to... You need to fight it. You need to have tools available to you to help you deal with it and process it. Roadblocks and guardrails set up in your life that are wise and discerning so that you know, hey, now's the time to walk away and cool off. Good time to take a walk. This is a tool I need to process, need to slow down and breathe a little bit, need to get away and read a second. You need, you need tools to help you process it and you need help. To fight it. You can't fight it alone. And that's why it is so, so hard to keep your anger under control when you're exhausted and depleted. It's because you got nothing left to fight with. It's because you're so tired and you probably have isolated yourself from others because you're just exhausted. And so there's no real fast help. The tools to fight it, they're Heavy, because you're tired and exhausted. Listen, God is not like, don't feel angry. 
Jesus got angry. His, he was always right and sinless in his anger, but there were times where he called the Pharisees some pretty tough names. Hypocrites, whitewashed tombs. <laughs> he was not happy. He was angry. He goes into the temple and he sees people taking advantage of others who are just coming to worship, taking advantage of them financially. And he flips tables. He's turning it over. Like, I don't know if you got this view of Jesus as some like hippie-like dude who walked around and talked about peace and love wearing Birkenstock sandals all the time. And I love the part of Jesus that does point us to peace and love and real peace and real love and not weak peace and not weak love. He talks about real things and real life and he also got rightly angry about some stuff that was clearly wrong. That's why in Ephesians chapter four and 26 through 31 it says, it gives us instruction about anger and it says, in your own anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up and according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And listen to this. Get rid of. It's active. It's, a, it's something you participate in. It's ongoing. Get rid of. Keep getting rid of. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Listen, God's plan is for you not is not for you not to feel anger. It's for you not to cross the line. And so, number one is don't sin in your anger. You feel angry, don't sin. You, you get mad at that fan who's yelling stuff at you the whole game, don't flip them off <laughs> in front of a bunch of 12-year-old kids. We all need the reminders sometimes, right? Like, <laughs> don't cross the line. But to not cross the line, you got to know where the line is. You got to know how God tells you to treat people, how to treat your enemies, how to treat your spouse, how to treat your kids. Try not exhausting them or wearing them out. Treat your spouse the way men treat your wives, the way Christ has loved the church. Like, that's huge. Don't cross the line. Second point from this is don't let it linger. Now, now I'm not, I don't think this passage is a, is a declaration that you have to stay up all night having a six-hour conversation, which I don't know why. It doesn't really feel like a conversation when you're having a six-hour conversation trying to get it right. It's usually one person doing all the talking and some sort of weird form of torture where the other person is broken down so much that by the end of the six hours, they're like, yeah, whatever you say, I agree with every, you ever been in one of those conversations? I'm feeling really lonely right now because you all are like, no, dude, we don't get you. Never been there. We always work it out real fast. <laughs> 
Don't let it linger. I don't think it means you gotta stay up and work everything out, but it means that you have to come to some point of resolution where you are going to work through the issue in a constructive way. A constructive way is not tearing everything down and destroying what is there. A constructive way is not about winning the fight and the other person losing the fight. A constructive way is working together towards a better good. And sometimes that takes some time. So it's like, don't let it linger. Go to bed at least knowing that you are going to work on this, that it's going to be better, that you're going to have the other conversation that need to have. Don't go to bed stuck in second gear. Get it back down to first and talk about the fear that's driving your anger, the, the embarrassment that's driving your anger, the disappointment that's driving your anger. Get to the real issue before you turn off the light. You're not gonna solve everything. But if you let anger linger, like in a spark in a forest in Alberta, it's going to spread and grow, eventually get out of control. The third thing I think is that this, this passage points out to us is that anger leaves room for a foothold for your enemy. The Bible talks about the, Jesus in comparison with the enemy, right? Like the good shepherd come, has come to give you life, and give it abundantly. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Like Jesus has come to give you an abundant life, following him in every area of your life. Maybe, maybe, maybe most importantly, your relationships, which is why he spent so much emphasis on the fact that you can sum up all of the law, all of the Old Testament stuff, you can sum it all up in that one greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when he was talking to his people, the disciples, he even amped it up a little bit and said, love each other the way I have loved you. The thief, on the other hand, he just wants to see you buried in bitterness. He wants to see your most important relationships destroyed by unforgiveness. He wants to see your behavior driven by anger. He does not want you to get to the real issues that are underneath it all. He'd rather you just live and die angry, bitter, and alone. Don't give the enemy a foothold have a short memory when it comes to anger. Be slow to get angry. Be quick to listen. And don't let it linger. What's your trigger? You have to know, you have to know your triggers. I was with another dad this week, a friend of mine, and uh, we were spending some time at a Little League practice, and uh, we, we got talking about all the, all the similar triggers that we have in our relationship with our kids and how just uh, certain words and certain looks can just trigger that response. Probably comes from our childhood and how we were raised and all those things. Knowing your triggers helps you deal with your anger, helps you pay attention to it. It doesn't stop you from feeling it, but it keeps you from sinning in it. What's your trigger? If you're thinking about your triggers and your triggers like, I, I just, when I'm disrespected, okay. 
If it's when, you know, somebody's disappointing me or somebody doesn't live up to the job or somebody's not working hard, okay, you can deal with those stuff and start to dig into those. If you're thinking about what triggers your anger and your answers are, lots, (laughs) lots, or um, often everything, then your fire has been burning too, too long. And it's out of control. And you have to do something because anger leads you to really ugly places. There's this story about Jonah. I don't know if you've heard the story of Jonah and the whale or the big fish. And Jonah was given a task as a missionary to go to um, Tarsus to preach the gospel to this crazy, crazy place where things were just way out of control. They were rivals of Jonah and his people, and he was not excited to go there because he was fearful that if he went there and preached redemption, then God would stay his hand at judgment. God gave him this message like, time's running out. You better repent or pain is coming. Like, turn back to God. You're, You're living in awful, evil way, turn back or judgment is coming. Jonah doesn't like this idea, so he flees, um, or sorry, he's going to Nineveh, but he flees to Tarsus, and he jumps on a boat to try to get away, and as he's heading down, God sends a storm, and the boat's got all these sailors, and they draw lots to see who, um, who's at fault, like, and God works in that situation to show that it's Jonah, and Jonah's like, it's me, and so he's like, you gotta throw me overboard or we're all gonna drown, and so they throw Jonah overboard. It's a fascinating story. If you've never read the whole story in the book of Jonah, go read it. It's an incredible story. Jonah gets thrown over in an act of God's grace, not God's punishment. He is swallowed by a big fish or whale. Now, this is an act of God's grace because if Jonah was not swallowed, he surely would have died in that ocean, running away from God. But this belly of this fish was another opportunity to reflect, to think about God, another chance to turn back to him, to get his heart right. God does some business with Jonah in the belly of that fish, and eventually Jonah is spit out onto shore in Nineveh, where he goes around and preaches this yelly, angry, fire and brimstone message. Worst preacher ever. Best result ever. (laughs) Because God worked in his words, and though Jonah did not want anyone to hear him and actually repent, though he wanted his message to fail miserably, the whole nation turns back to God and says, they they, they weep, they, they like, Get down, they're like, we're wrong, we're turning back to God, there's one true God and we're gonna follow him. You can't preach better than that, right? Like nobody's sitting there going, what do we have to pick up at the grocery store after this? When's this guy done, you know? What's taking him so long? Why does he never tie his shoes? All these things we wanna know. No, they're just listening and they're responding and the entire nation is like, yes, to God, absolutely incredible. And Jonah 
sits down by a tree and waits, hoping and praying that God sends lightning bolts from heaven and blows the whole place up. Next time you want to complain about your preacher, please remember that I have never ever gone up on this hill, sat by a tree, and hoped that God would wipe you all out. <laughs> Have I been annoyed every once in a while when 11 o'clockers show up two songs deep? <laughs> Maybe, but I get it, because I'm one of them at heart too. He's so angry, and God comes and he says, he says it seemed very wrong to him, and he became very angry, and he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what, this is what he's angry about? Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate God. Ooh, that's so angering. Slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. He is so angry, he wishes he was dead, and God says, is it right? This is the question that gets me every time. The number one question that when I ask it keeps me in check and helps me realize that most of the problem is me. This is the question God asked Jonah when he was so angry he just wanted to die. Is it right for you to be angry? If you struggle with anger, that's a question you need to start asking yourself. In your relationships at home, when you can't stand the way he eats cereal and you can't stand the way she breathes, it's a question you got to ask yourself. Is it right? God would go on and he would explain his love for these people and the children and the souls of these people and how they're all important to him. And he says again to him in verse 9, is it right for you to be angry about this plant I destroyed? It's right for you to be angry. Is it right? It's the question we need to ask ourselves. It helps us get to the thing that's underneath it all. It helps us to see God as the God of justice, the one who will hold all the balances in check. It helps us to see the people we love that we're sick of and our enemies through his eyes. Is it right for me to be angry? I've added a little bit of a even if it's yes, which maybe sometimes it is, is it right for me to be this angry? And how can I stay away from the line? Here's just a couple of things to end it. You can jot these down really fast. I got some verses to go with them. Here's, here's some things that I have tried to do to help me practice handling my anger appropriately. You ready for this? Number one, pause. I try to add pause into my life and into angry situations. I'm not always good at it, but when I can do what James 1.19 says, which is be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, everything in my life gets better just by practicing that one verse. 
your relationships will all get better if you just start practicing that one verse. Number two, I, I try to find a deeper understanding. Proverbs 14, 29 is a great verse for that. We don't have time to get into it. Write it down. Check it out later. If I can understand them more, if I can understand me and what's underneath my anger more, if I can understand God more, it gives me a better perspective to seek something constructive out of the situation, to let my anger go and move on towards something better. Number three, practice self-control. It's like a muscle. You got to practice it. You got to practice it in small things. You got to practice it in, in big things. You just got to start using that muscle of self-control. It says in Proverbs 25, 28, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Guard your words, Proverbs 20, 15 and 1. Get rest, Isaiah 26, 3. And have a trusted friend you can talk about these stuff with. Listen, that's what I got for you on anger. God doesn't say don't feel it. It just says there's a better way to process it, to deal with it. Make sure you're not crossing the line and to leave it behind. Live free. Live free of anger. God, we thank you so much for your word and how it speaks to us and in our hearts. And I pray that it would sink deep and you'd help us as we all, at some point or another, in some way or another, get angry and it affects our relationships. Pray to help us to just maybe pay a little more attention to what's going on underneath all that anger. Help us to find ways to practice wisdom. Help us to be slow to get angry, slow to speak, and quicker to l listen. Help us to put pause in where we need pause and to seek deeper understanding and really try to understand the people. Maybe that's why you say we're supposed to pray for our enemies. We could understand maybe what's going on in their hearts too. Overall, just help us to be more gracious with everybody, especially the people that we live with and care about the most. I don't know why that's the place that sometimes seems hardest most of all, make us more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.